0: John chapter 8, we're going to be in a text that's really near and dear to my heart, as Dan read this morning. John chapter 8, we're going to look at the topic of true freedom. Uh, and I'm sure you guys are very familiar with this passage. I usually start off one of my sermons with a joke, so um, I'm going to preach a short sermon today. Okay? <laughs> Some of you will get that later. John chapter 8, I, I just want you to see freedom, and the, the difference between the freedoms that we perceive. In our culture versus the freedom that is offered in Christ. I'm going to read the text, um, and, and just I'll make some a few comments here. John chapter 8, it says, Then Jesus said to the Jews that had believed in him, If you remain in my word, truly you are my disciples. And I'll, I'll stop here. He says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then look at look at the last verse. It in verse it says verse number thirty six. So if the sun sets you free, who's the truth? It's the sun. And if you if you have the sun, what, what 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 what's the promise here? If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So my aim is in this message is that you would experience Jesus, the sovereign, risen, living King, the Lord of all the universe, who is the source of all true freedom. For this to happen, we need two things. We need God's liberating grace. And we need his grace through the truth of his word, which means that we we must trust his word to do the work. And I, as a weak individual, must pray for his power. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into the text. Father, we need you this morning as your people. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander from you, or they're prone to leave the God that we love so, Father, as we enter into your word, Lord, I pray that you would bring light through by your spirit, Lord, that your grace would bring clarity to these truths, Lord, these things are spiritually discerned and apart from your grace and apart from your power, Lord, the, these will fall on hardened hearts. So, Father, I pray that your sovereign grace would work in the hearts of men, that you would just break up the hardness of our hearts, and that, Father, those that may not know freedom in Christ would come to know freedom in Christ. But, Father, for the Christian that maybe has hearts have grown cold, that the, the freedom that we see in the Scriptures would bring a joy a new, a freshness to our walk with Christ. So, Father, may... Everything that is done through your word and through the prayers and through the singing, Lord, point only to one which is Christ Jesus, be glorified through it all. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before I was a pastor in Fenton, I used to lead a rescue mission, okay do I mean you know kind of like what the Center of Hope is hoping to accomplish, but we would we had a campus and we would have uh, 65 men and 30 women and families that would all stay on our campus. And I was notorious for bringing the homeless to my home. I was much younger and much more zealous about those things and really didn't think of the dangers. Um, So I remember this one time and this text is particular because I remember a man that came to Christ through this text. But I remember his name was Houston and I found him on the side of the road in North Carolina. Houston was about 6'7 and about 380 pounds tattoos up and down both arms, tattoos on his face, and I remember meeting Houston for the first time as he's living on the street, and I said, can I help you? And he says, I have nowhere to go. I'm lost, I don't have any hope, and I don't know where am I going to go. And I said, you're going to come home with me. So imagine, as we are walking into my household, my wife meets Houston for the first time. Okay, we were going to take him to the rescue mission in the morning. uh, But that whole night, I do not think my wife slept as Houston told stories of his past felonies of breaking and entering and robbing people at gunpoint. My wife's like, are you sure this is a good idea? I'm like, now that you mention it, I'm not too sure if this was a really good idea. Anyway, I took Houston to the rescue mission the next morning and I entered him into our program. And I remember preaching that morning chapel and guess what text I preached on? John chapter 8. I remember preaching this text about freedom, and I remember those, those big blue eyes from Houston, just tears rolling down his face, just rolling down his face. This big burly guy that could have probably tore me apart with his bare hands, weeping over the offer of freedom. I didn't even finish my third point. Houston comes forward, and I remember he lays on the ground, and he starts crying out to Jesus to save him. I didn't have to do anything, and Houston was like gloriously born again, and so that next day, Houston goes, you know, Pastor James, I don't think this is for me. I'm going to leave. I said, Houston, man, you need to be discipled. You need to grow. There's a lot to learn. He goes, nope, I got it. I'm just going to read from Genesis, and I'll figure it out as I make my way through the Bible. I said, man, it don't really work like that. So he left and walked out of our facility, and I didn't hear from him, and then I get a call from a deputy sheriff. Hi, Pastor James, we have a guy down here that uh, is in quite a bit of trouble, and he says he knows you. <laughs> okay. What's his name? And he goes, it's Houston. I'm like, what did he do? He stole someone's goat. Now, we're in the South. That's normal, okay? <laughs> Some of you Southerners. <laughs> I said, he stole a goat? What do you mean he stole a goat? And so I go down to the sheriff's office, and I pick Houston up, and I said, what are you doing, man? What did you steal a goat for? He goes, well, you know, I told you that I was just going to start reading in Genesis. You know, and I got to the Leviticus part and I thought, you know, I had to make an altar to God and I had to make some sacrifices. And I, you know, so I'm like, where do I get a sheep? Well, I didn't have a sheep, but I stole my neighbor's goat. But the cops caught me before I went a little further. And I said, Houston, that's what I was trying to tell you. There's more to this story. There's freedom in Jesus Christ. You don't have to keep those Levitical laws. He goes, I wish you would have told me that before. So every time I come to this text, I I always remember that. And so the question I, I want to ask you is, what is freedom? When we hear that word, our, our culture has this pressure to, to teach a different kind of freedom. And I think many people are mistaken what true freedom is. We we define freedom as independence from constraints. Does that make sense to you? This is how our culture will define freedom. It's this freedom to choose to do whatever we want. As long, and we'll say this: as long as we don't hurt anybody. We should be free to live our lives as we please, free to choose whatever we want to do. There's many researchers that will say this, and these are secular quotes, and they say this, most of us in America believe a few simple propositions that seem so clear and self-evident that scarcely need to be said. Choice is a good thing in life, and the more of it we have, the happier we are. Authority is inherently suspect. Nobody should have the right to tell others what to think or how to behave. That's a definition of freedom. Another one says this, let each person do their own thing. You shouldn't criticize others and their values because they have the right to live their life and to do what they want. The only sin that shouldn't be tolerated is the sin of intolerance. These are quotes from secular writers that are defining freedom for us. And they are telling us, freedom is the ability to choose what you want to do. And nobody should criticize or say anything different. You're, off, you're, you're totally free. Now, we feel this because if we even bring up a question of how one should be living or, or question that belief system, what, is, what happens when people respond to truth? You're labeled as hateful, right? Bigoted, unkind, ungracious. We really need to understand this concept of freedom because this philosophy of freedom permeates every facet of our society. From politics to education to entertainment, in every facet, we hear this message that no one has the right to tell me how I should live unless I hamper the freedoms of others. We treat this freedom in our culture as the ultimate good, the ultimate value. This secular doctrine is preached everywhere. But what does the Bible define freedom as? And that's what I want, because as in our in our unregenerate state, uh, and we want freedom from these constraints, freedom from limitations, freedom from authorities, freedom. We want this secular. Independence. Essentially, we want this freedom to do what we want without anyone telling us otherwise. But I want to argue with you today. Not really. But I want to talk to you because that is modern freedom is practically impossible. Because I want you to see this. Look at it with me in verse number 34. Look at what it says here. It says, Jesus answered him and said to this, Truly, I say to you that anyone who commits sin is what? is a slave to sin. And I want you to understand this because we are not sinners because we choose to sin. It's not like, well, I made a choice to sin, hence I am a sinner. We are born sinners, completely separated from God in our state. And our very nature is in rebellion and depravity. is our, our, our depravity is in rebellion against God. We are dead towards Christ completely. The Bible says there is none that seek him. No, not One, We have all gone out of the way in our natural state without the work of the Holy Spirit. There is not one person who on their own will seek after Christ. Do you know that? So when we choose sin, everyone is in sin, even in the moment they're born. What is their natural propensity in the depravity of their heart? What are they always going to choose? A hundred times out of a hundred times, without the working grace of God in their life, they will choose sin, Okay. So we have an entire world, we live in a society that is enslaved to sin while everyone is telling them that they're free to make their own choices while they are in sin. And my friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message that frees people from the enslavement to sin. We must understand this. We must understand that we choose sin because we are sinners we all have a master, don't we? We all have a master, and that master, and I want you to see this, that master is what rules and dictates our life. The ultimate sin, and we've been preaching through Romans in our church for like two years, our church, right? Many of you are like, pastor, you're going to continue to preach through Romans? I said, no, I'll give you a break. But the ultimate sin is when we choose other masters, we replace the highest authority and we put ourselves on that throne and make ourselves and our feelings as the ultimate authority. My friends, that is the ultimate sin of the heart is when we replace God's authority with our authority. That's the ultimate sin. We choose other masters than Christ and we allow those masters to rule our lives. But I want you to give... I want to give some examples of why this, this secular freedom is morally impossible. As many people champion for this way, it's really impossible because with freedom comes constraint. I want you to see this. Well, think about it with me. How many of you would like to have enduring health for all of your life? You want good health, right? Right? I've battled a lot of health issues. Many of you prayed for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm alive today. Thank God for that. <laughs> But well, we want good health, but coming with good health, what does, it, what does it require? Choices, right? Constraints. You can't just eat chips and sit on a couch all day and then expect to have good health. If you want enduring health, there comes some constraint on your freedom that you must eat healthy and exercise, right? I want you to understand this. You can't be free to run a marathon. I'm always envious of Daniel and his running, if, some, if I'm running from something, there's something wrong, okay? But you can't run a marathon without preparing for a marathon or exercise. You can't be a good student without the preparation. So when freedom and with choices always come a constraint. You can't have this total freedom with no constraints. It's not logically possible. Some of you that want to have money and spend money, what does that require of you? You have to work. You have to earn money. You have to labor. You have to put in the time. There is no ultimate freedom that does not put constraints on you personally. So I want you to see this. Tim Keller quotes this. I love this quote. He says, freedom is not merely the absence of constraints, but it's choosing the right constraints. Let me repeat that. The Freedom is not merely the absence of constraints, but it is choosing the right constraints. So this will lead us to our next question. Who is our master, right? This is the next logical question that we must ask because the path to true freedom, authentic freedom, having the right master, the master that sets you free, which is Jesus, we must recognize everybody in here, whether you're a church member or whether you've never heard of Jesus in your entire life, I want to, you to admit, if you're going to get one thing, get this. Everybody here is a slave to something. Everybody here is a slave to something. So you must ask ourselves, what is it that I am a slave to? Who is my master? According to the New Testament, everybody will serve something. It will be either God or it will be something else. Do you agree with that? I'm used to preaching in the South where people give amen. So if I'm looking for affirmation, wave a hanky, do something, okay? I know we're from Michigan, but we're not the frozen chosen. Something else that we put before God will become our master, and it becomes an idol that we will sinfully serve. If we put money before God, what will money require of us? That we serve it, right? That we give our life for it and the pursuit of it. So are you totally free if your pursuit and master is money? No, it has constraints on your life. You're not totally free if your master is money. What about worldly success? If worldly success and the pursuit and the compliments of other people and the admiration of the world is our master, does that not come with constraints? See, all of these things, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's broken relationships or the pursuit of people and relationships and the need for others, all of these things and our sins are attached to these things require constraints on our life. And my friends, I'm here to tell you, these things are not good masters. All of these things outside of Christ will steal, kill and destroy your life and leave you empty. I couldn't tell you how many people that sit at the end of their life with every dollar, every, every accomplishment, and you know what? They come to the end of their life, and you know what they recognize? They've been a slave the whole time. They've been a slave the whole time. Our big sin in America is our own pleasure. We live for ourselves. Whatever makes us happy. My friends, this is not a good master. So how do we break free from this enslavement? This is the promise of true freedom. Look with me in verse number 32. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will, what? The truth will set you free. What is it setting us free from? The penalty of sin, but it's more important than just the penalty of sin. It's the power of ruling sin in our life. You and I, whether we don't know Jesus, we need to be free from the penalty of sin. But the hope and the true freedom is not just free from the penalty of sin. It's also the hope of the gospel is freedom from the power of sin that dwells within us. And then he answers this. So what is truth? What is this truth that will set us free? Look at at the end of it. It's Jesus. If the son sets you free, what's the answer? you will be free indeed, total freedom. So listen to this definition. Freedom isn't having no master. Freedom is having the right master. Do you understand that? Freedom is not having no master, and I get to do whatever I want. No, freedom is not having no master, but it's having the right master. That's such such an important thing that we must understand because if we all other masters will destroy us and leave us empty of life-giving joy, don't you agree with that? I'm sure there's so many people in this room today, if you don't know, Jesus could tell you the emptiness of life's pursuits, but the fullness of joy that they found in Christ. I'm telling you whether it's pursuit of money, pursuit of relationships, pursuit of being able to do whatever you want, pursuit of being free from your parents, reign over your life. Jesus is the good master and the promise that Jesus gives to us he goes I will be your master but I'm a good master and I'm the good master that will set you free True faith begins when we recognize that you and I everyone here is enslaved to sin Each one of us needs to repent or turn away from these masters that rule our lives that call us into this these empty pursuits and we need to come to Jesus, who is the Lord and Savior, and he will deliver you from the penalties of our sin. But I promise you, he will deliver you from the power of sin. Now, look at these three responses, the struggles I see here of coming to faith. Look at, look at these. Who is he speaking to? I'm not going to go into belaboring the context. It is so hard for me to not to preach a 55-minute sermon. Do you, any of you have a pastor like that? You're scared to say, I know your pastors are just like me. And I can barely say my first name in 20 minutes, okay? But I want you to see these struggles. Look at this, this religious struggle. I think this is the most dangerous one. Because it's, it's very possible to have a superficial false faith. Many people will be raised in church, but never raised in Christ. They don't know the newness of life. And I, especially young people, listen to me. Your faith in Christ must be your own. It cannot come from the rules of your parents. It can't come from what your parents tell you to do. And, you know, what the, your faith must come from a personal relationship in Christ. But look at with me, Jesus, he spoke to the Jews who believe this, this word believed is in the aorta tense. It's not an authentic saving faith. It's like, you know, I kind of agree with this truth. This isn't this saving faith. These, these Jewish people have, but look at their response in verse 33. He he speaks to the Jews who believe it's not, it's an aorta sense. It's not authentic faith. It's not saving faith. Look at their answer in verse number 33. What do they say? We are Abraham's what? We're, we're Abraham's descendants. What are they trusting in? We've never been in bondage to who? Anyone. They have this superficial, um, th- this superficial false faith that does not save from sin. My fear is that there's many people, many people who, who who are part of our churches, who who do serve in different ministries, you know, and they do it as a duty. They do it as an obligation. They're there. They may smile. They may shake hands. But if you get into their private life, all this is, is just this facade. It's just this empty religious pursuit and their heart's desires are so wrapped into the pursuits of the things of this world. They're in religion. And you know the first thing that they need to recognize? That they're in bondage. What were they trusting in? Their own therapeutic morality, right? We're pretty good people. We didn't kill anybody. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. We never stole. We never were like the Houstons who had multiple felonies, right? We're, we were pretty good people. One of the most dangerous places to be is in a religious culture where you believe that you're a pretty good person and you're not that bad. You need to understand that. There's that struggle. They trust in their lineage. They, they trusted in this therapeutic, moralistic religion, but their hearts were far from God. They had no real desire for likeness, and they were, their lives were defined by the ruling of private sin. This is a very dangerous place to be. But I promise you, Jesus will set you free from the bondage of religion and self-righteousness. Don't you agree? The second place, the response to the enslaved, those to their sin. Some of you are listening to me and hearing my voice, and your life is completely dominated by sin. And you're really unwilling to turn away from it. You don't want to. You love to live how you want to do. You don't want God to reign in on your parade right? You don't want any authority. You you serve your sin. You think that religion is just a bunch of another set of moralistic rules, and it's not really real. And you know, the most important thing is how I get to live my life and what I get to choose. But you're blind to the fact. Now, listen to me here. You're blind to the fact that in your so-called freedom, your sin has become your master. And it is dictating you the rules of life of how you should live. Can you see this for a moment with me? Many of you that are, have no desire for Christ, don't know Christ. You are serving a master. And it's this continual draw. It's this continual pulling of you deeper and deeper and further and further away from God. And you've made yourself the authority. But listen to me. That will only end in your destruction. I promise you that. But there is hope that Jesus is the good master. And if you turn away from these, the enslavement of sin and you turn to Christ, my friends, you can be free from the power of sin. And I want to help you here. I want to help you here. For the believers here, I want you to see this doubting response. Look at this doubting response. Because authentic faith, what does authentic faith do? it perseveres. Now look at with me at, at the at verse number 34, or I'm sorry, verse number 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, what does he say? You are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I want to help many of you. Many of you as believers, are true believers, but you doubt your salvation day in and day out. You know the most important thing that you look at all the time as doubting believers? You look at your sin instead of looking at your Savior. Does that make sense? Many of us will be like, you know, look at the sin that I'm wrestling with. Look at the sin that I'm struggling with. I do this over and over and over. I ask God for forgiveness. I ask God to change my heart, but nothing seems to change. How can I be an authentic believer? My friends, listen to me. Dead men don't wrestle with sin if you are wrestling against sin, that is because a spiritual work has taken place in your life, I would challenge you, don't look at your sin, look at your savior who promises you freedom, not just from the penalty of sin in the future, but from the power of sin today. Continue to look to Christ. He will deliver you from sin. I wanna invite you. I wanna invite you. And this is not, I don't want any of you to feel condemned. My, My goal is not to condemn any of you. My goal in the heart of what I wanted to share with you is that there is freedom in Christ. I I don't know what your circumstances is. I don't know where your life is. I don't know how broken it is. I don't know if you're a struggling, doubting saint. I don't know if you're a person that doesn't even want to hear the message of Jesus. I I don't know if you're a religious person or a young kid in church that just does it because your parents tell you to do it. I don't know where you're at. But I, I want to admonish you with this true freedom comes from submitting to the the lordship of Jesus Christ. When you turn from all of these empty masters and you turn to Jesus Christ in a personal way, you will be set free. And when Jesus dictates your life, that is true freedom. We don't find freedom in the things of this earth, but we find freedom in the eternal things and the things to come. We find our hope and rooted in Christ. So I'd encourage you, if if you want to talk to me, you could talk to any of the pastors that were up here praying. I would love to talk to you about the freedom that you can have in Christ. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll let the guys come up. Father, God, we praise you that true faith, true freedom Comes in knowing Christ that you are the good master and the good master who sets us free from the power and, and the penalty of our sin. Father, I pray for the many hearts here, though, across the many congregations, whether they're doubting or whether they're trusting in the self righteous morality of religion, or Lord, whether it's people that don't know you. Lord, I pray that they would come to know the freedom that is in Jesus Christ alone, that you are the good master. And that because you are the good master, you will free us from the power of sin in our life. So God, work in a way only you can be glorified through the rest of our time. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.